So we've been in this series. We're going to conclude today. Uh, I hope it will be a tad bit shorter. And we will start a new series next week that I'm calling Seat Discomfort. And we will spend the three weeks we have in December on faith and start talking a little bit about faith. And then uh, it'll kind of be all over the place in January with snow retreat and stuff. But that's where we'll be heading. So what we've been doing in this series, Hits Different, is we've been looking at the two greatest commandments, love God and love others. And I believe that when we truly understand these two commands, it's going to hit a little different. Because what this idea of like hits different is what I've kind of been using is the two definitions, so to speak, that I've been kind of zoning in on is that when something hits different, it's because of either a circumstance or something that happens. So like uh, say somebody passes away and you hear a song in a funeral. So now every time you hear that song, you're brought back to that moment. It hits you a little different. But maybe before that passing, it didn't hit you that way. Um, And then the other side of this hits different that I've also kind of been focusing on is something that's special. Something that's special to you, and it hits you in your heart in a special way. And so I believe that these two commands can hit us differently when we begin to understand them a little bit, because I think we so often hear all this stuff that Jesus tells us we're supposed to do, and this is the way we're supposed to live. But he says, if you want to take two commands... And live your life by them. It's these two, love God and love others. And so that's what we've been walking through. We looked at love God the first week. We looked at love others last week. And then I want to try to wrap it all together and say, what does a heart posture look like of somebody who's doing this? What does a heart posture look like that somebody that's zoning in on loving God and loving others? But before we get into that... um, Again, I've been trying to share something maybe in my own life that hits differently for me. So obviously, a few days ago, we had Thanksgiving. I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. Hope you all had a lot of food, had a lot of fun. But Thanksgiving hit a little differently for me this year um, because as I've shared um, in different stories, and hopefully you kind of know a little bit about my life, um, both on my mom's side and my dad's side, there was something different this year. This was the first year that my dad's dad was not there. He passed away last December. And then this was the first year that my mom's mom wasn't there. And so it, it, Thanksgiving hits a little differently because normally what we would do on my mom's side is that we'd go to my grandma's house and that's where we'd have Thanksgiving, um, on Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving lunch. We'd go there, we'd hang out at her house, watch football, hang out, do all that good stuff. And then she would always make us, I don't know if your family does this, she would always make us carry up all her Christmas decorations from the basement and start setting everything up. I'm like, it's not my house. Why do I got to do this? But we did it. And this year it's at my sister's. So it was kind of a, an interesting dynamic because it's not the normal Thanksgiving I'm used to. And then I go to my, my dad's side, and hers is a little more low-key. There's a ton of us on my dad's side. There's probably 50, I would say, that jam-pack in this house. And there's kids running everywhere. But I would always seek out to say something to my grandma, grandpa, because he always, you know, when he had his dementia, he didn't totally know what was going on and also always felt lonely because nobody would come talk to him because he couldn't carry a conversation. And, and I didn't have to do that this year. I don't want to sound like I had to do it. I didn't get to do that this year. Thanksgiving was a little different because the people that were normally there were not at Thanksgiving this year. And maybe you guys have situations like that. 
And Thanksgiving hit you a little differently this year because you're used to a certain maybe place that it's always at or people that are always there and they weren't there this year. Something like that can hit a little differently for us when we're used to something and the way things go and it's not that way anymore. I believe that when we look at today, we're going to look at a character named King David, you've probably heard of him, we've looked at him before, but as we look at him today, I believe you're going to look at these two commandments a little bit differently. It's going to hit you a little different when you start to understand how David navigates life. David does something that no matter what circumstance he's in, obedience is the top priority to him. And I think you need to understand that the heart posture of somebody that's living, love God, and love others is an obedient person, an obedient heart. That's the heart posture of somebody that's living out these commands. And you might say, well, Taylor, that makes sense. That's so basic. But here's the problem. We don't always obey. Oh, go love that person that's sitting alone at the lunch table. Then I'm going to get made fun of. Oh, go love that person and care for that person and show Jesus to that person that stabbed your back. Oh, I don't don't know if I want to obey. Obedience gets hard when our feelings start to get involved because then what we tend to do when feelings get involved is we go off of what we feel instead of what God's called us to. And God has called us the top two priorities Love God, love others. And if we're going to have a heart posture and a life that's a reflection of these two commands, it's a life that is obedient, even when it's hard. And I got to tell you, it is hard. There's days I don't want to love certain people. There's days I don't want to love God. I wake up and I'm like, "Uh, we're at this again. We need to be obedient people. And so as we look out, look at King David, this is the main idea I'll unpack in 2 Samuel chapter 9 is where we're going to plant, is obedience no matter what. Obedience no matter what. David's going to show us some key things as he's living out love God and love others in his life. So as we've always done, I'm going to start with the, the two commandments, two greatest commandments, so we kind of get some baseline for what we've been going through. But Jesus, he's talking to a bunch of religious people. They're going to try to back him into a corner and say, okay, Jesus, you think you know all the answers to everything? And they think they've got a question that's going to trip him up. They think, I know what's going to trick Jesus. I know what will trap him. Um, And so then we can get him in trouble is we'll ask him this question. What is the greatest commandment? Because he's got to pick one. If he picks one, then none of the other ones matter. And yet Jesus answers it perfectly, and this is what he says. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, With his reply, they thought up a fresh question of their own to ask him. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus says, you want to live a life that's a reflection of me? You want to live a life to the best of your ability? Love God, love others. And not just love God, I go to church and I read my Bible. No, love God with your heart, soul, and mind. Everything you've got, your entire life, 
is not Jesus revolves around you, you revolve around Jesus. He's the center of your life. He's everything about your life. He's everything you think about. He's everything in the motivations behind your heart and why you do what you do, even when you don't feel like it. And out of that love, you're going to start to see people differently, which is what we looked at last week. And as you see people differently, you start to love people like Jesus. So as we see those two baselines, let's bring this all together. I know I said go a little shorter, so I'm going to try to go fast through this. Second Samuel chapter 9, you may have never heard this story, but I think David does a tremendous job to bring this all together. One day David began wondering, wondering if anyone in Saul's family was still alive, for he had promised Jonathan that he would show kindness to them. He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them in any way I can. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he is crippled. Where is he, the king asked, in Lodabar. Ziba told him, at the home of Mikar, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Mikar's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low in great fear and said, I am your servant. But David said, don't be afraid. I've asked you to come so that I can be kind to you because of my vow to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the land that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you may live here with me at the palace. Mephibosheth fell to the ground before the king. Should the king so show such kindness to a dead dog like me, he exclaimed. Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for his family. But Mephibosheth will live here at the palace with me. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, replied, Yes, my lord, I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly with David as though he were one of his own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And from then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, Move to Jerusalem to live in the palace. Okay, I know that's a lot, but let me frame this story a little bit for you. Okay, so you got to understand here to get a little backstory so you know why this is so significant. David is the current king at the time. David is in charge, and guess who was in charge right before David? Saul. Saul. And if you remember anything about the story of Saul, Saul started to get jealous when David was put kind of in line to be the next king because David started to gain popularity. David started to be the one that everybody was turning to. David was starting to win victories. David was the guy. So Saul got jealous just like probably all of us would. If you're in charge and somebody else starts rising up and looks like the better person, then you're going to get a little jealous. So Saul spends the rest of his days as he's still alive pursuing David trying to kill him. Like understand that. Like he's going after David's life, trying to eliminate David. And now David is asking, is there anybody alive from Saul's family? Anybody that I can show love to? Are you kidding me? I'm not showing love to somebody who just tried to kill me. Anybody in their family deserves to be gone. Yet that's not David's heart. David goes, man, can I show kindness to anybody? Can I love anybody that's from Saul's family, even though he tried to pursue me, even though he tried to kill me, even though he tried to get rid of me, I still want to show his family love. Like what? Who, who has a heart like that, that you're willing to show love to somebody's family? 
even when they turn their back on you. Like, just, just take this, for instance. Like, say there was somebody that was coming after you, one of your friend's parents, and then they had a grandson, and, and they're pursuing your life, the, the parents, and they're trying to get rid of you, and they're unsuccessful, and then you turn around and go, well, how can I show love to somebody in that family? Even though what they did was wrong, I'm still going to love them. You want to talk about a heart posture that is in obedience no matter what. David doesn't care what happened with Saul. He doesn't care about the situation and everything that it caused in his life. He cares about following what God's called him to do, which is loving others. And I think we want to try to find a loophole where God says, well, you don't have to love them because of the pain they caused in your life. No. He says, love others. Bottom line, be obedient. If David can love his enemy's family, I think we can love people even if they hurt us. You see a few chapters earlier in chapter 7, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is what David's kind of giving thanks for, so you see his heart for God. He says, how great are you, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. There is no other God. We have never even heard of another God like you. You can't tell me that's not a heart that loves God. David has been nicknamed through his life a man after God's own heart. And so he says, can I show kindness to somebody in Saul's family? And this is what they do. Ziba, he was a servant of Saul's family, says there is still somebody alive. And his name is Mephibosheth. Try saying that ten times fast. Mephibosheth is still alive. He's the grandson of Saul, Jonathan's son. Jonathan was Saul's son, and David and Jonathan had an amazing bond together. They were like best friends in the whole wide world. And so that's probably one of the only reasons this makes it a little easier for him to still love others is because there's a connection path where he still loves part of Saul's family. So they say, yeah, Mephibosheth is still alive, and he lives in this place called Lodabar. I'm not big, but I've been getting more into kind of meanings and different things behind stuff. Lodabar, um, if you want to kind of give a translation, this will give a little bit to maybe his situation, is that this Dabar means like nothing or um, no, and so altogether, well, actually, word or thing is what debar means, and then when you put low in front of it, it means either no or nothing, so no word or nothing. He basically lives in the out, outcasts. He's basically in the boons. That was one, one uh, place online is what it literally said, is that he lives out in the boons. Nobody's there. It's poor. He's a impoverished living situation. And on top of that, he's crippled. Now, I know, you know, in today's world, and, and we talk about all these things, you got to be careful what you say, but I'm putting this in this context. Somebody that was crippled was not welcomed into society at all. There was no seat for cripples, especially at the king's table. This was the situation. He's living in an impoverished place. Nobody wants him. Nobody, none of his family wants to be beside him. And so he's out there, and David calls him in. The king wants him to have a seat at his table. I think about this, and I go, 
how often do you think about your story? And yes, you may not be physically crippled, but we were crippled in sin, and yet God still called you to come have a seat at his table. He said, I don't care what your life is like. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your family has done. I care for you to come have a seat at my table. Don't look at anything else. Don't worry about anything else. I want you. And David says, don't worry about the rest of this. I want you at my, my table. I want you to come sit with me. I want to love you. And he bows down in fear because in that time when you called, um, People from the family that was the dynasty before you, they were to be executed. Because you wanted to get rid of the rest of the, the family of the king's dynasty. And so he thinks, Mephibosheth thinks that he's going to die. That's why he's so scared. And David goes, that's not what I want to do. I want to show you love. And just free for information, if you want to know how, in 2 Samuel chapter 4, um, you can get a little backstory to why Mephibosheth is crippled. It says Saul's son Jonathan had a son or had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when Saul and Jonathan were killed at the Battle of Jezreel. When news of the battle reached the capital, the child's nurse grabbed him and fled. But while but she fell and dropped him and while she was running, and he became crippled as a result. Can you imagine that? It wasn't even his fault. There's news that the battle is going to reach the capital and they're trying to escape. And so the nurse grabs Mephibosheth and as she's running, drops him and both his feet don't work anymore. And the king says, I still want you at my table. David had every right, in my opinion, to turn his back on loving God and loving others. This family has done too much damage, too much pain, too much hard, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to love them. I got an excuse for this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave this family alone. I'm just going to move on my way. I'm going to do what I want. Yet that's not what he does. Obedience is what he's called to. And so that's what I challenge you with today. You want to give me every excuse you want, and I can do the same of why I shouldn't love others, why I shouldn't love God, yet a reflection like David Somebody that says, I'm going to love God. I'm going to love others no matter what. Why? Because God called me to. You don't need an excuse other than that God has commanded us to love others and love Him. So that's what I want to challenge you with. Obedience no matter what. Feelings play a hard part in it, and you've got to fight through those. you got to say, I'm going to do this even though I don't want to. Obedience no matter what. So I close with this. Um, so just a little while ago, Willow has figured out a way to kind of hoist herself up on the couch. So she doesn't have to get picked up anymore. She kind of like spreads out like this and like uses her legs to kind of push up on the couch. And so we have one of those kind of like uh, sectional couches and it's a big L. And so she's found out that if she can get up there, she can walk in the L, all the way around it. And I don't know how many times I've told her, Shannon has told her, you got to be careful or you're going to fall. And instead of being obedient, 
She keeps running, and sometimes the worst is when she starts closing her eyes or like not even paying attention because you're like, this is just going to end badly. And so there was one day, I think it was like twice in a row pretty much, we were like, hey, you've got to watch what you're doing. Can you just sit and watch? I don't know what we were watching. Can you just sit there? She gets up, and right in kind of where the, the L, this kind of like little angle right here, if you step, the cushion isn't like sitting on something. It just kind of hangs off a little bit. So if you step, it, there's nothing to like hold you. And so she always rounds that corner right on the edge, and she rounds the corner and like flips off on the floor and just like laying there like this, upside down pretty much, crying. And Shannon's a little more sympathetic. I'm like, I tried to tell you, if you would have just listened, you wouldn't have gotten hurt. And sometimes it seems so basic that it's like, well, yeah, if the child would have listened and been obedient, they wouldn't have gotten hurt. Yet God's calling us to be obedient in his commands, and we wonder why we get hurt. Because if we would just love God and love others like he's commanded us, maybe, maybe life would be a little bit better. So just like Willow, I challenge you, be obedient. Listen to what God's called us to. Hopefully these two commands hit a little bit different as you begin to understand them.